Welcome back, everyone, to this week's episode of The Back Peg. Laz, you're alongside me once more, and for this week, it's an absolute pleasure to welcome to the pod the digital content producer for the A-Leagues, uh, commentator as well for NPL Victoria, Nick Debano. Nick, fantastic to have you on, and thanks for joining us. No, thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. Uh, big fan, so it's good to, to finally get the call up, guys. I appreciate uh, it. <laughs> uh, absolute pleasure to have you join us, Nick. No, nah, all good, all good. A-Leagues. Nick, let's start from... The early days of your story. Uh, talk to us about how you got involved in uh, football media and uh, your journey, some of your earliest football memories as well, and uh, how you got into the position for digital content producer. Yeah, um, I mean, earliest football memories is an interesting one. So um, for me, being born in Melbourne, um, obviously you're kind of born into an AFL family, but also as well you're born into a football family through, you know, sort of having a European background as well. Um, for me, a lot of my first memories were basically being put in a Collingwood jumper and then being put in AC Milan jersey as well. So, you know, they were sort of the first two. So one of like first football jersey was an Alessandro Nesta AC Milan jersey with the, the Opal sponsorship and everything. Wow. So that was one of the first things and not wow. really having much of a clue who Nesta was, oh. you know. <laughs> what really a player. Yeah. <laughs> what a player he was. Oh, my Lord. Uh, unbelievable. Unbelievable. So one of my first memories was, in fact, um, the 2005 Champions League final, being about six or seven years old and, you know, not really knowing much what was going on until the penalty shootout. Um, and, of course, you know, what, what happened next with, you know, un- unfortunately, what would be very, very illegal now with Dudek coming off his uh, penalty line and saving <laughs> that penalty. Right. You know? <laughs> Um, <laughs> just had to make sure that's on the record. Um, and then, yeah, so then, of course, you know, at, at, at around that point, you know, the A-League came into its own um, first season of the A-League. Soccer is qualified for the World Cup in 2006 or in 2005 going to 2006. Just fell in love with the game from there. Um, I was fortunate enough sort of being young and um, being in a good time zone for the 2006 World Cup. We were on a family holiday in the U.S., and was able to watch a lot of those games in a good time zone. And I'm just being so infatuated by it, like the lead in, you know, buying all the mm. newspapers and, you know, reading about players you didn't really know much about, but kind of then just becoming just so caught up in everything, you know, wanting to know so much about all these new players. It was almost like a fancy new toy and was like, oh my God, like this is just mind exploding at, at the thought of it. So then from there, you know, really um, just be, just became in love with it. Um, you know, I played as a junior, but never really to a level which was going to see me ever go professional or whatever. Um, but when I was in high school, I probably didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do. Like I love my sport, but I wasn't really sure. Um, you know, I had a, a few teachers always tell me, you know, like, uh, you know, your writing skills aren't up to a certain level. Um, so, you know, it was kind of had that bit of chip on your shoulder, like I'm going to prove everyone wrong and I'm going <laughs> to chase this when I realize, well, I can put two and two together. I love talking about it with my mates and my family. Well, why don't we make a living out of it? Even mm. though, you know, probably for a long time after having a lot of knockbacks, sort of thinking, oh, I'm just going to go into whatever else, whatever else my family's doing, I'll just go and do that because that's just easy people tell me no but then you sort of have that one awakening where you you kind of go like you know I'd like I'm uh, I I think I could actually make something of this so you know being in year 11 and um starting just writing for a few blogs uh like an English teacher put me in touch with like a just a, a random blog it was this random uh footy blog uh mm-hmm. called the footy almanac which publish a book at the end of every year from every game and it's sort of um have like different sort of points of views of how people sort of consume different matches. And funnily enough, one of mine got published in this book and I was like, oh my God, like, okay, 
this is this is sort of all happening. So then from there, I uh, started writing for what was then known as Outside 90, then became the Daily Football Show, um, did a lot of sort of match reports for them and just, you know, player ratings and all that, went to uni, um, snuck into a journalism course at RMIT here, which is one of the sort of premier ones in Victoria. Um, again, was told after year 12, like think about option two because your ATAR is a little bit lower, but again, a slice of luck. <laughs> So once I got into uni, I really was like, okay, I've got to make the most of this. I've really got to go for it. Um, a lot of my mates at uni were a lot more academic than what I was, but I guess the one thing was I had a lot of drive. So mm. we, I just took every opportunity that was available. Um, I remember within, you know, sort of that first year, I got together with a few mates and we're like, let's start a, let's start an Aussie Rules podcast, and we did, and then that evolved into a television program on Channel 31, which of mm-hmm. course community TV down here. And um, around that same time as well, a mate of mine who threw a mate got a internship at um, Football Nation Radio, which is based here in Melbourne. It was just yep. launching at the end of 2017. He said, do you want to come along one day? I remember just randomly being on a, a lunch break at my old casual job working at Kmart and picking up the phone, missed calls, missed calls, like call me back as soon as you can. And, you know, then ending up there and that was like the real awakening to the industry Mm. like working alongside people who have then became mentors you know working with guys like david davudovich um Mm. ralph barber was the or carlos alberto diego and the five Mm. diego four diego sorry we're all there at the time running the station uh michael saponi had a podcast there with tony pinata um there was just all different personalities that would come and go and you just were kind of like yep this is what i want to do um was there for a while you know, graduated at the end of 2019, um, you know, sort of then ended up at a few different jobs, uh, was working in, so sort of first sort of writing job was working for the Herald Sun in um, sort of like a graduate role. Like it was just a casual mm-hmm. role that came out of that through COVID. Um, Dave was still there, the Vudovich that was for a bit and sort mm-hmm. of, you know, was able to kind of work alongside him. He'd give me some tasks and things. So kind of keeping those contacts going. And then from there, um, you know, working through COVID, took a bit of a punt with a job, another job, which didn't go to plan. I really took a big punt in the end of 2020. I decided I really want to chance myself here and go out on my own. Um, being 22 years old in the middle of a pandemic and doing that was like, you're absolutely freaking crazy to get rid of security. <laughs> but it was also like, well, I want to do so. I, I felt like where I was as well, probably, um, you know, I need to focus well on me and, mm. and sort of my mental health and everything and just do what I had to do. So I started sending emails and I remember at the time News Corp had no football writers for the start of the 2020-21 A-League season. And they'd launched this whole wire service and I was like, oh, you know, if you need someone mm. in Melbourne, like I'm here, I can help. Fast forward two full seasons later, I was doing match reports for every Melbourne victory, Melbourne City, Western mm. United home game. And, you know, you drive to Ballarat, you drive to Geelong, no mm-hmm. fuss. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. gonna, just going to go do it. And it just got gave me so many opportunities to in other companies, like working with the AFL. Then, obviously, we launched TNC mm-hmm. around that time as well, ESPN. Um, and then, yeah, it got to last year and an opportunity came up to work full-time in football. And I was like, all right, well, Is it? I'm taking this. It's a really exciting time now in the game. It was before the World Cup go and work and work full-time with a bunch of people who are are like-minded and everything like that. And it was, yeah. And now we're here almost a year later, um, being able to, you know, do some really cool things and work with some really cool people. And I guess that's the long-winded version of my story, but it hasn't been necessarily a a straight and narrow sort of, you know, easy. It's been winding a lot of downs, a lot of ups, 
but um, yeah, wouldn't have it any other way. That's awesome, Nick. That's absolutely awesome. Thanks for sharing that with us. Uh, when you look back at the last year and your time with uh, with the A Leagues, how, how have you found that time to be? Uh, it's been good. It's been good. Obviously, um, you know, there's been there's been challenges. There's been some real mm. high moments. Mm. Um, you know, you, it's interesting seeing the inner workings of a of an org- a sporting organization because you kind of go from the outside of it. Um, especially when you look at only the media lens and you think I was only one part of it, but then once you actually see the beast in action, like Mm -hmm. actually seeing all different departments, marketing, finance, everything, like any other normal company, it's just unbelievable. And you kind of just have that eyes awakening moment, but it is, it is really, it is really cool. Like I, I love my job. I love the people I work with. Um, you know, like you do learn sort of to straddle a different line at times, but as well, you know, you, you are, you are doing things that, you know, I think in, in an industry as well, where there aren't many full-time opportunities in media, like you got to take them when they're there too. And also when I saw the people that you're working for, like everyone are just so that we're all on the right, like that right trajectory. We all want the game to grow. We all want the yeah. game to flourish in that in that way. Yeah. So when you you sort of have those meetings and you just listen to people's ideas and everyone's all motivated and everything, you're just like, this is where I should be. This is this is I'm in the right place. Um. So yeah, like it's been, it, of course, like any job, there's been challenges. There's been great moments. You know, there's been some lows. But I, again, as I said, I wouldn't have it any other. Way. And being with the A Leagues for a year now, it's been uh, a time where given the APL's taken it over, I'm sure you would have seen a period of significant growth over just the past year alone. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it was funny today, like we were just talking about how like sort of we've had some uh, nominations for different social media awards and stuff, you know, not even just for social media strategy, but seeing things like A-Legs All Access, mm-hmm. uh, Dub Zone, which Dub Zone for me is like the one thing, like when I look back at sort of the journey and seeing how much hard work goes into that, producing a, well, what was an almost three-hour live broadcast every week, you know, it's the amount of effort, even with All Access, is just, you're like, wow, like these people are in my team, but also like in different departments and you mm. just see how much effort goes into that and you're like, goodness, like you just can't help but, you know, be amazed at just how far things have come. But also when you just hear about, you know, where the, the APL was two years ago when the unbundling first happened and where it is now, it is absolutely unbelievable. Like going from that real sort of ground zero to now being a fully fledged business um, and a sporting organization that's in charge of, you know, two major sporting competitions, mm. the E-League, which is, you know, it's it's still there, uh, you know, like other other sorts of things that, that are all there, you know, so many different facets of it that we all need to to take care of. It's it's unbelievable. So yeah, seeing the growth of it has been has been, you know, really interesting. It's it's just fascinating once you're in it actually seeing it firsthand and sort of being on the outside and, you know, looking at it from a different lens, if that makes sense. So with the launch happening, the week just gone by. We've got the the A League women's kicking off this weekend, which he has a standalone weekend, which is brilliant, right? Absolutely brilliant. How? What do you see, or what are you most for, looking forward to at yourself, but also as you know, part of your social media team and your, and your uh, digital content platform? There, I guess for myself, the one thing I was really looking forward to, and this is the one thing where you almost wish the season started earlier mm-hmm. because you came out of the world cup and you were just like, wow. Like, I mean, we all saw it like that one month was just, Oh my goodness. Like full stadiums, 
you know, the atmospheres that we all saw, the way the country all rallied behind the Matildas, you were just like, can we just kick on with the season already? Yeah. Like, can we just roll? Like, Wouldn't you know, can awesome. we just roll into it? You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, particularly when you've got European leagues starting up, everyone gets yeah. into those. And it's a sort of a case of what are we waiting for? A little yeah, bit when it comes to Australian football. I, I think player welfare yeah. would have had a bit to do with it, right? And the letdown oh, of the players yeah, would have yeah, had to, right? I mean, yeah. that's that's a given. But like, I, th- yeah. I think like what the um, Women's Super League kicked off two weeks ago. But I mean, there were a couple of other women's leagues around the world which actually kicked off a couple of weeks earlier than that. So yeah, I'll take your point definitely, Nick, with regards to just being able if we could have kicked off a little bit earlier. Yeah, just that's more bit. of a selfish, like a more no, like I, personal. But it, it makes sense, right? It yeah. makes sense. Yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely. Like it's more of that, like, oh my God, like let's just let's just get on with it. Like this is so exciting. Like you almost just want more, more, more. But mm. I think the interesting thing, the thing that makes me most excited is just hearing how excited people are for the fact that, you know, there is a real opportunity for people to get involved in the game in all sorts of walks of life. Like hearing that kids are excited, like the best thing that we've launched is the Liberty Pass, which, you know, allows mm. anyone under 16 can go for free. You know, all these young kids that, you know, we've got so many young kids playing the game, but now they have the opportunity to go and watch these plays every week. Mm. Um, Yes, we don't have Sam Kerr playing in here anymore and Caitlin Ford and them, but we've got some coming back and that's really exciting as well. We've got some, and obviously we've got the next generation, the future. And, you know, we've got a 22 round season for the first time, which is awesome. You know, more games, more opportunities, a bigger final series. Um, this weekend is going to be great. I mean, I know that, you know, like it's, it, it is just one round by itself, but it also, it, it gives them that full attention of, you know, look, Saturday, we've got two derbies back to back, you know, two, like the, the first game of the Mariners. We know mm. how much, you know, people from Gosford especially love the Mariners. Mm. They've come off their championship win. Now they've got a women's team to get behind. Yeah. They've got a Matilda to debut in round one, which again is so awesome in Kai Simon being mm. here. You know, Sydney Derby straight after that, and then three really good games as well on Sunday. And also the game, the Perth game on Saturday night as well. So I think that's really exciting in the lens that, you know, I think people, you know, I think people might have almost, I think that's the hard thing is like August came, it ended. It was almost the perfect timing, like almost in, in the worst way possible that you came out of that, then all the other codes have their finals. And you kind of just forget about it because yep. it's like everyone gets swept up in the other sports. Yep. And then you come back and you're like, oh, football's back. But I do get a feeling that once that ball is kicked off for the first time on Saturday and we get some really good games, we see that sort of buzz. I think people will start to feel it again. Um, and then once the men's season starts, you have them both running simultaneously, 12 games a weekend, you know, it's it's going to be exciting. You've got so much football, so many opportunities to get to games. The good thing is as well, that I love about the women's game is there's that real community feel as well when you go to these mm. games, small venues too. Like I know this week, bigger venues bigger sort of landscape with that but this when you go like um i mean the the new home of the matildas that's been built um where victory is going to play home games this year is stunning it is absolutely stunning facility i mean there's you know a great viewing platform you know standing room everywhere it's really nice and fresh that's going to be a great viewing experience for victory fans this year who you know they've had to play at a lot of different grounds and haven't really found that sort of you know, that sweet spot, but this is like the sweet spot. This is such a nice venue. It's not too far from the city as well, which is great. And, you know, I think that it's, I think this season is going to be really good. I get a feeling that, you know, there will be periods, of course, like, you know, around the holiday period, interest wanes, people have got other things on, but I think it's going to be fun. 22 games. We're going to see probably another bunch of stars come through. I mean, who would have seen Claire Hunt come through last year and become the player she is? 
So you always think to yourself, like I, me- I remember literally just before this was doing a um a Twitter spaces with Teo Pelletieri and Pakua Frimpong just previewing the mm-hmm. season. And we we're just saying like, you know, like we're just thinking like you don't you can't pick a breakout player because it could be it, like it could be just yeah. someone who just comes from nowhere in the women's or even in the men's mm-hmm. that, you know, you just go, oh, there's this young player that's signed for the Mariners or signed for the Jets. And in 12 months time, they could be signing for a European club and we could all be going like, wow, like. How exciting is that? So that's what makes me mainly excited about mm. the A-League as a whole. And then as you mentioned about the digital side of things, it makes your work so much more exciting as well when you've got these young players to hero and these amazing stories to tell about these players that are coming through or they've come back or whatever they've got. But yeah, it's it, it, it all it all kind of adds up as this beautiful cycle. So I, I think the better the football is, the greater the spectacle, the better sort of the stories that we can tell as well. And I think that's what people want to see as well too. Yeah, very much looking forward to the A-League women getting underway this weekend. You mentioned the Central Coast Mariners, a new start on the women's side of things for them this coming season. Talk to us about that process. How's it come to be that the Mariners have a new women's team for this season? Uh, do you have any insight as to why it's only coming around this season? And what about MacArthur FC? They are yet to have a women's team in the A-League level. They have one in New South Wales NPL, but um, their spot is taken by Canberra at the moment, so to speak, to pair up with the men's. Um, talk about them a little bit later on, I'm sure. But just with the process of expansion for the, the women's league in particular. Uh, look, to be honest, not too privy of the ins and outs as to sort of the, the Mariners mm. coming in and everything like that is sort of what the criteria was. Of course, you know, at the time when they disbanded, there were all sorts of difficulties yeah. going on. The W League at the time had its own sort of financial issues mm. and the Mariners as well. Um, but it's great that they're back. Yeah. I mean, this is a, a town that has one, one professional team that they all get behind. I mean, how awesome was it last year, you know, seeing the men's team go on that run and everyone getting behind them. I mean, that game against Adelaide, the second leg, is one of my favourite games I think I've ever mm. watched. Like, I wasn't there personally, but watching yeah. on and mm. seeing yep. a full Agree. industry group stadium, it's unbelievable. Um, in terms of, you know, sort of that that sort of excitement around them, I think it's going to be really fascinating to see the people come out and support them against the Jets. I think it's a perfect season opener. Right, yeah, you know, completely. The, Great the F3 start. derby. Yeah, yeah. The F3 derby is also, I think, a very underrated rivalry. I mean, it's kind of lost its lore with, you know, the way that both teams have gone in their trajectory since probably like that 2008 grand final. Mm. But I think that it's a really good way to start. We need to start building some rivalries as well in the women's mm. competition. Um, and I think that this is one that could really start to get going. I mean, we all saw the trophy today. Like, you know, <laughs> yes. <that's- laughs> okay. What is the name of the trophy there? Like, <laughs> is it the is it the is it the side guard trophy? Like, you know, <laughs> um, I don't know if it really just has a name because there's two now. So you got the slab of concrete. The slab. We can, yeah. call, it, we can call that one the slab. I- the men's the slab. Right. Yeah. yeah, that's all right. I don't know what we can call this. It's just the guardrail. The guard, the, the guardrail. Like, yeah, because it, it's you know the holy. The it's it's the holy guardrail. Yeah, you know what the funniest thing is? I think read correctly that I think if they split the head to head or something, because there's only two games or it's something with aggregate and everything, mm. they just play a novelty penalty shootout for the sake <laughs> of it, like just for the laughs. You know, hey, that's like, fair imagine- enough. Like imagine, you know, when they played the reverse fixture in Newcastle and it's four on an mm. aggregate and it's like, mm. well, don't go anywhere, guys. We're going to yeah, go and play it. <laughs> it's going to be great. Um, but yeah, I, I think, look, I think it's going to be good with the Mariners in it. I think that if they if they have a similar sort of groundswell of support to the men's, which I think they will, I think it was mm. great as well. They had England and Germany 
using that as a sort of that they they were there during the World Cup yep. too. Yep. So I think that I think they're going to be a real success. I think from an on-field standpoint, it's going to take some time. Um, mm. Not every expansion team will be like Western United. It you have to get it so perfect on the first go around. And I think having no expectations is a good thing. Um, and Kaya Simon coming in as sort of the figurehead. You know, as you sort of have that big name marquee, yeah. um, great to sign. sort of then build around is great. And I think the youngsters as well will learn so much working with her. Uh, as for MacArthur, I can't speak to details about expansion uh-huh. in terms of them coming in, but obviously I, I was reading um, before they played, I think one of their MPLW finals that they obviously have ambition to yeah. eventually come in. And I think, you know, if we got to a point where we had everyone having a men's and women's team, that'd be awesome. So, mm. yeah, I mean, like, I think, um, it, but yeah, circling it back, Mariners, it's only great for the league. It's it's going to be awesome. And if they do well this season, which we're not expecting them to, but if they all prove us wrong and have a great season, I think the people of Gosford are going to get behind them like we saw with the men. And I think it's going to be an awesome, awesome turnout to see how it all plays out. Nick, with regards to the women's, who do you see as the top four? I know that, you know, you, you, oh. I'm putting, I'm getting you to be a pundit yeah. here, right? We're putting your pundit <laughs> hat on and this is, you know, yeah. we've got to ask you a couple of hairy ones. Yeah, right? no, that's fine because, okay. I mean, so I, 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 Western United, do they, do they come back, you know, do they follow up their success from last season, right? Sydney FC will be up there. What do you envisage? It's a good question. It's a really good question. I think, honestly, and this is such a boring answer. I know it's a top <laughs> six this year, but I think the top four teams mm. will stay the same. Yep. I think it will still be the same top four because I think the top four, are, I'm not going to say they're that much better than everyone else, but it feels like there is a, a bit of a discrepancy in quality okay. between them and then the trailing pack. Sure. So when I was sort of looking at the teams this week and writing a preview piece and looking at, oh, like, geez, they're just so good. They're just so much better. There's just no yeah. real like glaring weakness compared to when you look at some of the other teams and you go, yeah, they're sort of missing this, they're mm-hmm. missing that. Mm-hmm. That's where they might kind of fall off. For me though, if I was to rank them, I do think that the final four will be, I still think Sydney FC are going to win the premiership this year because I think as much as they lost, they gained yeah. just, they 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 just find an uncanny way to, you know, reload and yeah. find these players. And Ante Juric has climbed the mountain once. So I think that's a big thing, more than once. More than once, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I think that Melbourne City are going to be very good this year. They've reloaded. They've fixed some clear areas in their squad, I think, in terms of a defensive standpoint, which let them down last year. Mm-hmm. Victory, the same. Western United, the same. Those four teams are the four teams that I think will contend for silverware this year. Then after that, I think, for me, Perth Glory and I think Adelaide United will finish mm-hmm. sixth. Mm-hmm. But I think that you could make a case for literally anybody, mm-hmm. which I think would make this comp- competition so great. You could make mm-hmm. a case for anyone from 1 to 12 mm-hmm. why they could sneak into a, a final spot this year. But I think if you're going to narrow it right down, I think it's between your Perth, Adelaide, uh, Newcastle, I reckon they've recruited really well, Canberra United, they still have some real talent in that team. Yep. And I think as well, you can make a case as well for, for Wellington if they get their home form right. So I think there are teams that are really going to push, even Brisbane Raw. So, yeah, I, I, I honestly think that it is going to be like, I, it's hard to make that judgment. because I, I want to see them all play first as well, because course, that's like, like we all want to sort of see that first, first few games and then kind of take stock again, because I think, um, you know, that's sort of the the hard thing is as well is a lot of these teams, we don't, well, because their teams come together so late, we don't yep. usually see them all play at that point. So, yeah, that's um, that's my predictions, I guess. 
And to zoom out a little bit with the A-League Women's, uh, there was some discussion this week that um, the strategy is to make the A-League Women a, a destination league in Asia. And from your perspective on the content team, what sort of avenues are you exploring in terms of promoting the A-League Women's into Asia specifically? We haven't really gone too much down the route of promoting into Asia just yet. But in terms of that, I mean, I think the interesting thing will be is when Sydney start playing in their Asian tournament in a few Mm -hmm. weeks time so that's going to be the clear avenue Mm. i think a cool thing is as well with the asian sort of lens is we have had a lot of players coming from asia this off season you know the the um having quinley kazada and jessica cowart from the philippines signed for um for perth glory Mm -hmm. uh we had uh wuru gamula who is a chinese international playing for the mariners i mean previous years having players like cheng shu wu and nanako sasaki looking more from here not a big name player but a big name victoria because of what she did in the npl but korea akino playing for melbourne victory i think that's something that's actually a nice little subplot is because there are so many good Japanese and Asian players in yeah. general, like just that are playing in the NPLs. But because obviously foreign quotas and everything, we haven't seen with the men's, it's hard. Like they have to be that amazing, like, you know, Korea Aquino, 30 goals a season sort of level that we don't usually see too many of them um, get sort of have that, to have them taking a punt on at that A League level. So, um, yeah, I think honestly, though, I think if Sydney do well in Asia, I think that's something to to watch this space because that that similarly to like if Mariners, MacArthur or City do well in the men's, yep. it will only boost the profile of the league. Licking a switch to the A-League men's, same question. Who yep. do you see, even though it kicks off the uh, uh, following weekend, who do you see being in the top six there? Because that because this season is going to be an interesting season with regards to the A-League men's. Oh, it's, this is even harder. Yeah, I know. That's this, why I'm asking you. Yeah. <laughs> no, because, you know, I, I, Nathan, I, Nathan and I will have a Barney about it later, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Like halfway through the Australia Cup, I was adamant it was going to be Western Sydney. I was adamant. Mm-hmm. After they beat Adelaide, I was like, these guys just look so good. Mm-hmm. But then what Brisbane Raw did, it just kind of changed mm-hmm. everything. It made me question it. Then I started thinking, is this going to be Melbourne City? Because it's Melbourne City for the sake of it. Mm-hmm. And they didn't necessarily play that great against Metro Stars then against Sydney FC. And I yeah. can't even take a punt on them. <laughs> I, I think that this season, I think if I was to pick six teams to make it, um, I'm, I would say in no particular order, yep. I would have Melbourne City still in there. I think yes. by the sake of just quality they will be there agree sydney fc i think are going to be pretty good this season i really like some of their signings and the fact they've gone to the kids western sydney i still think will make it um again just quality i think will will really shine through there i like melbourne victory this season i'm getting a good feeling out of them i don't know why exactly i do feel like that they're going to bounce back i do like some of their signings and i just get this feeling that they're going to bounce back this year Mm. i'm really bullish on young ryan teague who they've signed as well yes good play um yeah the other one as well is I think, see, I'm I'm like in two minds about Adelaide and the Mariners again because I want to see the Mariners more under a new coach. Adelaide, post Craig Goodwin, what does that look like? Mm -hmm. Brisbane Raw, I really like the look of, but again, I want to see more in a league setting. MacArthur the same. Like every team, there is this... Nathan's smiling from ear to ear now. You just said MacArthur, (laughs) seriously. (laughs) Like you... You find the positive about any of these teams and then you just kind of go, oh, yeah, but I don't mm-hmm. know. Like, I yep. think the other team, like this might be Victorian bias, but I really like the business Western United have done. Pena, Rukovic, Denzak, yep. yep. really nice signing. So, mm-hmm. you know what? It's not a top six for me. I'm just going to say four teams that I think are going to make it. 
Sydney FC and Western Sydney and the two Melbourne teams I think will be there, then it is a toss of a coin multiple times over to work out who's the, the other two teams. So, yeah, uh, I, that's it's impossible to pick. I'll go along with you there. All right, I'll go along perfect. with you. I was going to say it's a cop out, <laughs> yeah. but no, it, it's not a cop out. I think I think they're legitimate. Yeah. I think those four there are legitimate. What do you reckon, Nathan? Yeah, yeah. I think for mine, the three Victorian clubs I think look really good. Mm-hmm. Sydney look good. I'd like to say Macarthur, but I think it's too much of a a one man show. A bit harsh, but uh, I think the team lives and dies with Ulysses Davila. Yeah, and uh, interesting to see what happens with Perth this season. Mm. Yeah, can they bounce back? For a little bit of a, a rough period, period last year. Yes, good coach. Good coach. Very good coach. And um, yeah, very much looking forward to it. I, I agree that it's very nip and tuck, very tight between so many of these teams and uh, really looking forward to the season ahead. Um, Nick, I'd like to ask you about expansion. Mm-hmm. It's been a big week. It's been a big month, actually, in terms of expansion news. And uh, what, can you, what can you tell us? What's the latest on uh, Auckland and uh, Canberra? The two we're sort of expecting. I can give you Auckland. Um, I am very excited about this. Um, you know, if obviously it all comes to fruition. Sure. Um, I think it's great that we have an Auckland team coming into the A-League. Agreed. Creates another local rivalry between them and Wellington that I mm-hmm. think Wellington as well to really, really reinvigorate mm-hmm. and give the Knicks as well that little bit more interest, more pathways for New Zealand players. Um, you know, I remember speaking to Marco Rojas earlier this year and I asked him about, you know, sort of how big would it be if you have an Auckland and a Wellington team? And he sort of spoke about just the excitement of that and having sort of that. Because I feel like as well in New Zealand, it's hard because I don't know, I can't speak for New Zealand itself, mm. but it's hard because if you're from Auckland, do you want to go for Wellington for all these years when you had a license, you had a team? Do you feel mm. that sort of pull towards Wellington because you're not from there? Mm-hmm. But now they've got their own team. It sets up its own rivalry. It writes yep. itself. It's something that I think is, you know, it'll be good to see an Auckland team get a second go around after the Knights sort of didn't work out. Um, And I'm excited for it. Mm. Um, Looking forward to seeing who those first few signings are, you know, seeing sort of what the initial excitement is, what the the venue they play at, what the team name is going to be. I'm very bullish about Auckland coming into the competition. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. Overseas, right? EPL. Yeah. Who are you following? So obviously I'm an AC Milan supporter. Yes. But I do have a team in England. Yes. I do. Uh, So I'm a supporter of Wigan Athletic, and they're in League One at the moment. That is awesome. Well done. Wow. That's fantastic. That is brilliant. Yeah. So I don't have a team in the – I haven't had a team in the Premier League now for a decade. (laughs) I should say England. I shouldn't say English Premier League. I should say England. So, no, good. Good man. Well done. Why why Wigan? Don't tell me Roberto Mancinas. Roberto Martinez. You know, funnily enough, I've been the one Roberto Martinez on that one island for so long because of who won the FA Cup for us, and that's it. <laughs> so um, with Wigan, I guess it was like being in primary school and it was the same thing, like, oh, you need a team in England, you need a team in England. And I was like, well, you know, I don't want to go for a team that Milan's yeah. going to play in the Champions League. Hey, like, that's fair enough. Pick, pick the one team that survives by the skin of their teeth every season. <laughs> and God, it was so much fun. Because this whole season, it would be just a horrible, just, you know, watching mm-hmm. these games at, you know, 2 a.m. in the morning and seeing these loss after loss. But then the last two months of the season being the most exciting two months because every game mattered so much. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's been a journey because, you know, you've seen this team win an FA Cup, get relegated three days later, get yo-yoed between the championship and League One, have the biggest scandal in sport during COVID when yep. all the ownership stuff happened and the um, administration and, you know, they went to administration again at the start of the end of last season and got relegated mm. to League One. So 
being a Wigan supporter, there's never a dull day. Put it like that. So yeah, <laughs> that's that's kind of how it all started. So Nick, AC Milan, favorite player. Favorite player for Milan right favorite now. Favorite player for Milan now. right right now and historically. Okay, right now. Star, but... Yeah, Rafael Leal probably right oh, now. Player. Yeah, I, I just. I Great absolutely player. love the guy. Yeah. But to be honest, got a real soft spot for Olivier Giroud after the weekend. New goalkeeper. I think we have to talk about that. Oh. I think we have to talk about that. Because that yeah, was I think we do. insane. I think we do. <laughs> oh, it's just insane. I remember watching that. It was the most crazy like few minutes being a supporter. And you kind of go like when you see a keeper get set off and you realize, oh my God, five subs. Mm-hmm. Who the hell's going to go keeper? And the first play is a first it's a free kick that smacks the crossbar. And then, you know, the next yeah. play they're in on goal and you just, oh, <laughs> heart in your mouth kind of stuff. But God, like just insane. Just absolutely insane. In terms of historical AC Milan play though, you mentioned Nesta. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me though, like really around that era, you could throw a blanket over so many of them because mm-hmm. that 2006 team was yep. uh, just so amazing. Yep. Um, I've been actually like recently watching the the David Beckham documentary and it's gotten me so nostalgic watching all that sort of stuff. So really going back and thinking of who mm-hmm. the players were. And for me, like Kaká, Pirlo, mm-hmm. um, you know, Shevchenko, all those sort of players. Like, I like yeah, like Nesta for me stands out. Maldini, probably Kaká as well. Yeah, Albertini. Was, That's probably going a bit, bit back, further back. back. I'm sure my age. This is what the trouble is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. With Albert Diddy, Ben Bastard, and Hullet. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, <laughs> that, that Dutch trio at AC Milan was just incredible back then, right? But I yeah. mean, in the halcyon days of Serie A, but they're, you know, hey, Serie A, tell you what, they. It's uh, on the rise again. It is on the rise. Absolutely. It is. And it is. I'd like to get your thoughts on it, Nick. Are they poised as perhaps the best league on the European continent? Oh, Ooh. see, you know, I've got to be careful how I answer this because... No, 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 tell us like, the truth. Tell us what you really feel. Don't worry about it. <laughs> you know what? Heart always, I will back CDR until the day I die. Like, I will say how underappreciated it is till the day I die that I absolutely love it. I, I love CDR. Like, it's, it's, there's something about it that's obviously doesn't have the same production value as the Premier League, this, mm-hmm. you know, beast that it's become. Mm-hmm. Um but I feel like from an X's and O's standpoint, he's very underappreciated. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like this season's a bit tougher because I think that now that, you know, Spalletti's left Napoli, mm. um, you know, unfortunately them losing Kim uh, and just some of the quality of coaches aren't there as it maybe was a season or two ago. I think it's made it a bit tougher. I think as well, the unfortunate thing is that an Italian team just hasn't won a Champions League. You know, there were so yep. many opportunities during Juventus's dominance of the decade mm. where, look, they probably should have at least won one. Um, mm. You know, I, I do think, though, that it is X's and O's wise, it's it's right up there. Um, I think this season it's probably not on the same level because I think that some of the top Premier League teams right now are just playing on a level, which is, you know, watching City, Arsenal and Tottenham, you know, seeing what Ange has done with Tottenham as well, always mm-hmm. just have a smile whenever I think about it. It's so it's so awesome to see that style and that it, it's more watching the actual brand of that real exciting sort of style. But um, I feel like yeah, the the Italian teams can match it with anyone. Like I do think that a lot of those teams would be just as good as anyone else if they had the resources pumped in behind it. If they could spend, if if Milan or Inter could spend like you know like Bournemouth can right now, which they're getting outpriced mm. by. These mm-hmm. stories like that. It just kind of sums up the discrepancy yeah. between leagues. And I think well, that's that one was the, the Zaniola one, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, that's the one yeah. that maybe you're referring to. And yeah. 
success in Europe is hard to come by for Italy, but three European Cup finals last season. Oh, Unfortunately, at the feet in all three. I'm sure you're not too disappointed about the Champions League final. Yeah. That was the one that was <laughs> kind of in, like, okay. <laughs> It was funny because everyone was asking me, like, who are you going to support? <laughs> like, it's funny because every time Juventus made a final, I was always like, again, like, can't you know, you, can't, can't really say, but like, I actually kind of want Juventus to win. But, you know, when it was into, it was like, oh, City or Inter, like, really? Does it have to be, you know, could have literally been anybody else or could have just been Milan making it, but obviously I lost the semis. But, mm. um, yeah, I think, like, right now, though, the, the top Italian teams, I think, in these sort of matches can still compete, but it's so hard now. Like, when you see how much City is spending and Arsenal, mm. and as mm. you mentioned, even the lower teams, like with the Zaniolo story last year mm. in the tournament, there mm. was even when um, Charles de Quetelada signed for Milan. I mean, Leeds United, who ended up getting relegated, were outpricing Milan mm. at the time. And it's like, how? How can these top? I mean, it's not even just a Serie A thing. It's a yeah. La Liga thing. It's a Bundesliga mm. league. Yeah. But these real big historic clubs just can't compete. Like these teams that are getting promoted from the championship are getting this a massive this massive windfall. Like when they even if they win the promotion playoff, they're the third best team that gets promoted, but they're getting this huge sum of money i mean it's different with luton because of where all that money's had to go but in terms of some of the other clubs are a bit more established like it's Mm. it's so so different it's so so hard so that's why i think it's good that now you start to see a lot of these city art teams more the smaller teams they start to develop from within and i think that that's also kind of been a good thing because italy's had to rejuvenate their talent stocks a lot and give these players an opportunity because of the unfortunate circumstances around their sort of un- well, not qualifying for two successive World Cups. You know, I wasn't going to mention that. I was not going to mention that, Nick, but now that you mentioned it. I can't yeah. lie, I was. <laughs> of course uh, you would. Uh, okay, all right, we can talk about it. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, you kind of put your foot in it, right? But that's okay. Yeah. No, no, go on. Was, yeah. But well, you were saying about, look, I think it, the future does all go well for Italy and Serie A for, for a little while because it's so competitive, right? Because I look yeah, at the exactly. Champions League groups, right? And I go, okay, well, AC Milan, Newcastle, I mean, that's the best group that's been in the Champions League for mm. years, right? Without a shadow of a doubt, right? Dortmund and PSG. And Milan at home are going to be very, very difficult to beat, right? I mean, mm. it's so Dortmund and, and PSG are going to have a real difficult time there, right? Yeah. Um, Napoli against Real Madrid is probably the best Champions League game I've seen for, you know, for a little while in a group game because that was just brilliant end to end. Mm. Like, you know, in as far as group phase is concerned, I don't know what you thought about it and what Nathan thought about it, but it was just an awesome game. Awesome game. Awesome game. game. Just two good right. teams going, just hammer and tong. That's what you love to see. Mm. You know, now you've got the other Italian clubs who do well in Italy as well. So I think things look really well. And that mm. is bound to help with Spalletti going to the national team as well. I think that's bound to help the Azuri. Yeah, I think the one thing that always is just going to hold Italy back is just it's a money thing. It's a windfall thing. It's not having the TV deals sorted. You know, you hear how much money that gets pumped into the Premier League through TV deals. It's an infrastructure thing. I mean, the fact now they got the Euros in nine years' time, mm-hmm. they do need to upgrade these stadiums. I mean, so many of these stadiums are the same stadiums that they built mm-hmm. for the 1990 World Cup. Tell you not, and yeah. You watch it, you watch, you look at some of these stadiums and you just think this needs a bloody mm. upgrade. Like you see how beautiful the new Juventus Nordinese mm-hmm. Stadium is, work they've done into that. But then you see when they play, look, the Arterio Franchi where Fiorentina plays a 
beautiful sort of nostalgic ground, but it needs a facelift. Even the San Nicola in Bardi needs a facelift. Mm. You know, the Diego Armando Maradona needs a bit of a facelift. The Stadio Olimpico needs a facelift. They all do. Mm. Even as much as I would hate to see the Sun City get knocked down, eventually they're going to need to give a bit of a facelift to one of those venues because mm. it's just the way things are going. It needs to find that, needs to catch up in that sense. It does sometimes feel like it is caught a little bit in, in two worlds and it does, mm. I think, affect the product. I think it affects when, from a viewing standpoint as well. Um, but I do think eventually, like that, that is something that has to be addressed going into 2032. But also, just if they can get a TV deal over the line as well, it just helps in terms of getting more money into these mm. clubs and just being able to compete. Um, so, you know, we're not resorting to the unfortunate sort of circumstance where you see some of these club owners going, well, we need to forge a Super League. You know, you don't, we don't want to see something like that. Um, so, ideally, that, that can come through. But, you know, there's a lot of politics in in sport, as we know, and I think that's something that's hopefully can get addressed at some point in the future. And where do you sit on the San Siro? Do you want to see it uh, revived or have a facelift? Or because there's a story that uh, mm. AC Milan and Inter were going to have their own stadiums. Yeah, I think that, oh, look, in an ideal world, I'd love it if Inter moved out. <laughs> and built their own. <laughs> yeah, those peasants, those peasants can move out. <laughs> that's that's me speaking just pure red and black nuffery. But um, but I do get a sense that you know, reading the latest reports, is that the unfortunate situation is that they are going to build a new stadium. It, mm. it felt it's felt like inevitability for ten years plus. Like when they've started moving, you know, smaller, maybe a smaller forty thousand seat stadium or an eighty thousand seat stadium, finding the the land to do it where they knock down the Sun City. I actually don't think they can knock down the Sun City. I think I was reading something that's like mm. this is like a historical landmark that they mm. can't, which is great because why would you? It is one of the mm. most unique stadiums and one of the most amazing stadiums in the world. Um, so my point of view is uh, speaking with my heart, Inter can build a new stadium. Milan can stay where they are. They can basically, <laughs> my head tells me that I think that they'll both move out and probably build a new stadium at some point. Yeah, look, I'd like to see the San Siro stay in some in some capacity, yeah, right? Agree. And definitely get a facelift. I mean, it's just yeah, it's been part of the the you know, Milanese football for you know since the '30s when it was you know the Gi- yeah. Giuseppe Miazza, right? So yeah, it's it's definitely got to, They've definitely got to do something to preserve that to to mm. a degree. I mean, it's an incredible um, uh, landmark when you look at it the way that they've done it. But uh, who takes out the Serie A this season? That's a good question. So after the derby, I was convinced it was going to be Inter. I still, I still think they have the best squad in Serie A, not by much, but they have a just a, an unbelievable team. You know, they've got just top front to back. You know, Lautaro is playing at an amazing level. The midfield with Barella, and you know, hopefully, they can get Fratesi more into that team as well. And Dumfries and Di Marco defensively, they're strong as well. But they have this susceptibility to drop points when they shouldn't, like they have over the last couple of weeks. And that, for me, as much as they have had Milan's number for such a long time, Mm -hmm. that, for me, always is just an error of caution. And there is this feeling, like, I remember when um, Milan won the Scudetto two seasons ago that Mm. Milan weren't they, they did beat Inter and Drew against them, but it wasn't like Milan were that much better than Inter. It wasn't convincing. Yeah, it was a... they, they. you know, they, they got the job done because they were consistent at the right point mm. and they made the most of it. This Milan team, though, has this weird uncanny ability to have play some horrible games mm. and just play. The, the, their bad is god-awful. 
but mm. they're really good is as good as anyone in the league by a mile. Like they mm. have a better team than they did actually when they won the Scudetto. They've invested really smartly since Tonali got sold, which yes. disappointed at the time, but they have brought in a host of really good players that, you know, when you look at some of these players like rejuvenating Christian Pulisic mm. and Ruben Loftus-Cheek, uh, Tijani mm. Reinders, they brought in from, um, he's playing for AZ Alkmaar with Matty Ryan. Mm. He came, he's he been a, a find. Noah Okafor, who's a young Swiss striker, Samuel Chukwesi, who came from Villarreal. Some of these players, and you know, it's smart business and they've actually done really yeah. well in that sense, yeah. which I was a bit worried about when Maldini as well got, got let go, but they've actually done mm. really well to do that. So mm. I think it's between Milan and Inter this year. I think the bit of with Rudy Garcia at Napoli, and him potentially leaving. If Conte comes in, I'm not sure whether Conte still got the magic. It's mm. still Conte. I, I also can't see that working out in the slightest. Not with Napoli. No, that. <laughs> I only think Con, Con, Conte can only go back to Juventus. I think. Yeah. Like I think it can't go anywhere else. But mm. I mean, I'd be interested and to watch just a pure box office. Entertainment. It <laughs> yeah. yeah, like no, we saw a Conte reacted with Daniel Levy. Like Conte mm. dealing with uh, De Laurentiis is going to be uh, just as. Enjoyable Ooh, for a neutral yeah. point of view. <laughs> well, yeah, but... if, if he doesn't go there, he'll probably end up at Roma. So, you know, either way, it's going to cre- cre- create some great press conference material. And, you know, yeah, just he watch can't go to Roma. He can't go to Roma. Not after Jose's been at uh, Roma. Because it just sports. gives it just gives Jose the right to say, you know, hey, he's followed him after every job. <laughs> but you can you see know. it, can't you? Well, yeah, I can. That's the funny thing. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I, I, but look, yeah, it's it's a circle of back. I think it's between Milan and Inter. I think Juventus, though, I wouldn't rule them out. But not a big fan of Allegri football. Me I think either. it's dated. Their team, I know they're not. They have Europe to sort of worry about. But I just think when it comes to the nitty gritty, I think it's going to be between Milan and Inter. And again, I think it's going to be a coin flip. Hell, if it's like what happened two years ago, they'll play a playoff for it. Yeah. So you know what. Maybe that's what's going to happen. Maybe we'll actually get a playoff this time. I don't know about Rudy Garcia. I think Napoli have got the, still, you know, the players to to be able to pull this thing off, even allowing for Rudy yeah. Garcia to go. It's just a question of obviously who goes. But that side, I think the is Osman just stuff as well is a real distraction. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've I seen it too, and I saw it for the first time the other day, and I thought, bloody hell! Like, what, what the thinking? what the <laughs> hell were they thinking? I know. Yeah. Uh, no, don't no. like try and mimic that for uh, A League's digital content no. strategy, huh? There is absolutely <laughs> no way. Um, but look, I think if Osiman does leave in January, that creates a pitfall in that team that they yes. can't replace. Yes, mm. I think Osiman's a top five striker in the world right now, like a pure number nine. Yeah. Um, and I think if he if he departs, I don't think Napoli can replace him. So I think if he goes, You're right I there. think we can put a final nail in the coffin. But as, yep. if he's there and he's motivated and he wants yep. to play and he wants to be there, that they've certainly still got a chance. Yeah, I and agree. with Napoli, I think if Ossiman goes or if Cavaradona goes, um, it's too many for mine big players and big personalities leaving the dressing room too often. Yes, I know they won the league last year, but combine Kim and Ossiman mm. if he goes with the likes of Mertens and Insigne, then I think there's it's too much of a churn for like power brokers in the dressing room for mine. Yeah, and a team like Napoli, just as much as they'll get so much money from the sale of any of those players, mm. you're not going to be able to compete with the players that are going to no. be available. Because unfortunately, you know, there'll be players from a wage standpoint, they'll be offered a lot more money to go and play for a Premier League team or mm. a Real Madrid or Bayern Munich or, you know, so I, bitter. I, I think Osman will go at the end of the season for some reason. I think he's mm. going to stick around, but I just don't know where. 
Chelsea, I mean, aside from Premier League, it'll, 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 <laughs> yeah, well, it'll Chelsea buy everyone. I don't know if it'll work, but you know, it, I mean, you know, he should have bought Brighton. Todd Bowley should have just bought Brighton because he ended yeah. up, you know, giving them 300, uh, 300 million pounds, right? <laughs> yeah, if not more, <laughs> right over the course of the time. And you know, he was better off just buying Brighton and just you know, sitting pretty. Yeah, yeah. I I, I think Ossiman for me. I, I think it, it, it there's, it's a fifty fifty. I, th- I could see maybe going to PSG. I think that's probably that's like the, the natural kind of evolution, mm. like the next step. I think that's... it's depends on Mbappe. Like if Mbappe mm. leaves, I think it's that natural. I mean, they've still got guys like Colin Mawani and Dembele, and they I think they signed was it Ramos? I think yeah, was, from Benfica, yeah. Gonzalo, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So you know, but I think if Ossiman's available. I think PSG aren't going to say, I think that any team wouldn't say no. Um, I mean, I always kind of say sort of like, I mean, when Samuel Chukwesi signed for Milan, he said an interview that Victor Ossiman told him to sign for Milan. So I always kind of go, oh, yeah. I don't, I'm not it would make Milan probably sell the club to try and pry him out of their, their cold hands. But um, yeah, that's kind of the, the fantasy book. But I think that, yeah, I think you can see him going to a PSG or a Madrid mm. or, you know, a big Premier League team, you know, Wherever he ends up, I'm mm. going to be fascinated because I think this this guy has the ability to be one of the best that we've seen in a very long time. Nick, I'd like to circle back to uh, your role at the A-Leagues and uh, we're talking European football at the moment. Tell us about mm. Ange and sure. the sort of reach that he's had through your platforms as well as just the general reception of uh, what you're seeing around. Talk to us about it, some of the insights that I'm sure you have. Yeah, so Ange is a... Look, Ange is a, like it's it's gold with what he's been doing at the moment and sort of the way he speaks it it's magnetic um and i think that from a content standpoint of course with keep up um and now i've had the keep up a league split um we obviously have a big focus on aussies abroad and really trying to hero the players and the coaches that have come through our system and Ange's you know, obviously been sort of the figurehead of that over the last few years with what he's done at celtic and now what he's doing at tottenham um and obviously a lot of the stuff that we've been posting with Ange and everything like that, you know, people people love it, people read it, people want to engage with that sort of stuff as well, um, especially through a keep up platforms. Um, and I think just watching the rise of it is so unbelievable. Like when you see just how everyone in UK, the UK at the moment is gravitating towards this one guy who was literally coaching Brunswick or Whittlesea Zebras 15 <laughs> years ago. And it makes you think of any MPL coach that could go from yeah. coaching a local state league team to coaching Tottenham Hotspur one mm. day. You kind of go, wow. But he is something, isn't he? Like he is, he is an unbelievable character. Like he, the way he speaks, the way he, you know, galvanizes his team. It's not even just from a tactics standpoint. He's just mm. fascinated by the guy. The what, like the, the, it's almost like this cult of Ange at the moment with the way that he speaks. And the, and the Spurs fans, how they've just gotten behind him is something that you never would have imagined in your wildest dreams. Like, even when he first signed, I was really worried, like, oh, are they gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna hound him. Like, if it goes just, if he doesn't start well, they're gonna come after him with pitchforks. Mm. But it's been this perfect storm of dramatic wins, you know the way he talks, the style of football going from what they had with Mourinho and Conte and, and even Espirito Santo for that short period to getting back to, to that. He's just been the perfect guy for it. So from a content lens, it's really been good to like hero that he is an A-League's legend. Like mm. he is a legend of our competition. Absolutely. And we need to 
to hero the people that come through because what's to say now that Nick Montgomery's gone to Hibs, he can't go on a, a similar path. Like what I know Patrick Kisnorbo's had his troubles mm-hmm. in France and hasn't gone to plan, but the ideal path would have been the Kisnorbo goes to Twa, does mm-hmm. well, and then we have another, another A-Legs product that's come through our system and we can hero that. And, you know, you see what they're doing over in Europe. You look at Kevin Musket as well in Japan. So it's the same as it goes with players too, whether they're, you know, someone like Sam Kerr, who is a, um, you know, came through Perth Glory in Sydney FC to someone like, you know, Garen Quall, who's, mm. you know, has the, the an even nestery in the next few seasons. Mm. And you look at what that's going to happen. These are all players that are born in the A-Leagues and coaches that are born in the A-Leagues. I know Ange obviously was technically, well, no, he was born in the NSL. We'll give him 110% that credit of what he did with South Melbourne. But what he did with Brisbane Raw took him to that that next stratosphere of, you know, legend status within Australian football. So I do think that, you know, that's a really important part of our content strategy. Also to make people remember of, you know, this is where they come from. And it gives people that sort of thing, like appreciate them while they're here, because if the next player that comes through, whether it's Nestor Irankunda or it's Geordie Boss last season, or it's Garen Quall or it's Marco Tilio, whoever it is, they might only be here for a short period and mm. then they're going to be off playing in, in Europe and we're going to be like, geez, and remember the days when we used to have this player playing here and how awesome that was? Like, I don't know yeah. about you guys, but I got nostalgic the last few months thinking when Rogic and Aaron yes. Moy retired and mm. you start yep. thinking, yep. wow, how awesome was it having these two guys here mm. for that? Even for Rogic, it wasn't a very long time with the Mariners no. and with Victory to even lesser extent, but it was but like... You could tell yeah. his class back then, right? Absolutely. 100%. Absolutely. And, you know, yeah. And- yeah, and that's the good thing about what you guys are doing there at at the A Leagues now with the likes of all uh, A Leagues All Access, right? And telling these yeah. stories, it's uh, full credit to you guys. Absolutely brilliant stuff, and looking forward to watching that this season as well. Yeah, no, it's A Leagues All Access has been awesome. Like I remember the first few episodes when I wasn't working for them for the A Leagues just yet, mm. and it was the Nani and the Charlie Austin episodes mm. and. <laughs> Just kind of being wowed by the whole thing because you heard about it and I was a little bit like, oh, this, this will be interesting. Like, I mean, just fascinated to see mm. like what sort of characters we hero, but you don't know about most of these characters and who they actually are until you kind of actually go into the weeds and you go like, this person actually has a really, really cool story. Like my personal mm. favorite episode from a pure human interest standpoint and just how harrowing it was, was the whole Ulysses de Villa yeah, Alex All Access. Yep. It was it was a hard watch. It was heart wrenching, yes. but it, it's mm, yeah, it's an amazing human story, you know. Mm. And it gives it gives these players that sort of lens of we we get to learn more of them of just the player we see the ninety minutes and we mm. see more of what they're like at home and with their families and friends. It's so important to have that. We need to build personnel. So you know that's what A Leagues All Access has done. That's what we try and do here at the A Leagues. We want to give these players an opportunity, a platform to do more than just kick a ball around on grass for 90 minutes. And that's a big source of excitement for me for this upcoming season is hearing that A-Legal Access is back for another year and it's amazing content and uh, I look forward to seeing what stories come up um, every week this season. And you you say building personalities for A-League players and A-League coaches. It's something that we haven't seen enough of down the years. So it's great to see an avenue being opened up to explore that. And you mentioned as well, the split for Keep Up and the A-Leagues. I would imagine part of the A-Leagues.com.au side of it is to explore more personal, personable stories with the players and the coaches and everything that goes on with that. Tell us about the split. Tell us about the strategy for both either way moving forward and um, how it's all come about. Yeah, I mean, it's it's um, obviously it's been an exciting transition. 
uh, going now to having both. Um, a lot of hard work's gone into it. Um, you know, it's been obviously, you know, it's been a, a transition. Um, the great thing is that, you know, with alegs.com.au, as you mentioned, is it gives us not added scope because we had scope through Keep Up as well mm. to tell stories, but it really has that central home of the mm. A-Leagues. Like this is the one-stop shop if you're an A-Leagues fan mm. and you're just an A-Leagues fan who doesn't mm. give, you know, doesn't give, you know, I'm not, not going to say the two word, hoots. but, you know, like, you know, you that, can, that doesn't really, yeah, yeah. you know, too much about national teams <laughs> and, you know, Aussies abroad, that you can go to one spot and you know you're going to be mm. able to find everything there. Similar to afl.com.au, nrl.com.au. Mm. It's all there. Stats, match centers, news, mm. all as it comes through. Um, and it's really exciting. It's really exciting to hear the strategy with that. And obviously, Keep Up will serve the purpose of this is what's happening outside the A-Leagues in Australian football. Because there, as we said, there are still so many stories going on. And people... I mean, the big things we've learned is that there is a thirst for people to find out how Aussies abroad are doing. There is a thirst to find out stories in the NPL. Um, you know, one of my favourite features that I've ever written was a story I wrote about um, Ben Khan a few weeks ago before the Australia Cup semi-final for Melbourne Knights and seeing how many people sort of really like that story because it's something different. Like there is more to just um, the A-Leagues as well, but there is all these other grassroots and MPL and Aussies abroad, Australia Cup, all these other stories to tell. And I think there is a real thirst for it and people want to see that. So having now two homes, keep up being the home of Australian football and the A-Leagues.com being home of the A-Leagues, it also differentiates. So you have the two separate websites to be able to do that. So yeah, um, you know what? It's an exciting venture. I'm 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 we're only a week into it since the 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 sort of soft launch and into the hard launch now. Um, but it's it's cool. I'm I look, you know, it's it's cool to see how it's all gonna play out. And um, you know, it's let, let's see where the future takes us with it all. I'm 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 really happy to see it all happening. And is part of the plan to have articles posted on aleagues.com.au on keep up and host articles across both platforms to as a, a funnel perhaps to drive traffic? Yeah, there'll be a bit of both. I mean, we've still got the A-Legs module on keepup.com.au, but mm. most stuff mm. will go on A-Legs.com.au. Mm. Um, you know, there's there's different strategies in place. So, sure. yeah, there's a bit of both in that lens, yeah. Quick one, just to divert completely different. Being an international weekend, Socceroos, yeah. England, England first up, then New Zealand. How do we go? Yeah. England is an interesting one because England have a bigger fish to fry on Wednesday in Italy that they need to win. In a, <laughs> That's why a I bring it up. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of like, what do they prioritize in that sense? Um, I think that we've got a real chance at a free hit against England. Just, mm. you know, it's, you're playing in front of 90,000 at Wembley. Just take it to them. Mm. You know, I think it's going to be an interesting one. This is, it feels like even though the World Cup was only a year ago, it feels like a very different Australia team now since mm. some of the retirements and players that have come through. I'm really excited to see Masluongo back in Australia jersey. Same. Um, well deserved. Mm. Yeah, really cool to see him back. Yeah. So with Luongo, uh, you know, seeing some of the new faces get more opportunities, whether it's someone like Sammy Silvera, um, you know, some of the players like hopefully see Alessandro Ciccardi get an opportunity in one of these games. He's been in the squad the last three times, hasn't played. Uh, Cam Burgess, all these new players getting opportunities and really taking the next step. But I think you want to see a semblance of sort of where this team's going to go as well, like what sort of the team is. Because we do have an Asian Cup around the corner. We do have World Cup qualifiers, which, yes, they're against smaller Asian nations, but you want to start to get a sense of, okay, how are we actually going to look going into that Asian Cup? We want to win the, we want to win the Asian Cup. You yeah. know, I think that's one yep. thing that, you know, we, we 
if we don't win it, I think that that is falling short, way short of expectation. Like I think we should have the expectation to go out there and, and try and win the thing. Mm. Um, so I think going up against England will be a nice case study. I'm curious to see what 11 England put out because, again, Italy sort of is in the rearview mirror. And I think it'll be a good test coming up against some of those players because, you know, Camp against arguably the form player in the world in Jude Bellingham and, you know, guys like Rice and Kane and whoever else it might be. It's going to be great. Like, I think it would just be a great experience for him. Very much so. And what do you make of the soccer is playing all these big teams at the moment? We have England this weekend, played Mexico last international window. Mm. Do you think it serves as good preparation for the Asian Cup? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think you got to test yourself against the best and you just got to throw yourself in the deep end with it. We've played Argentina now twice in a year, um, two very different uh, backdrops, but it's probably served as invaluable experience of playing against it. It's also just mirroring pressure environments, playing against these really good teams. Even though it was a friendly against Mexico, you're playing in front of a hostile crowd. Like it was in Dallas, Mm. but 95% of that crowd are all all Mexican supporters. Mm. And the pitch was hard. There were all sorts of elements that you have to get used to and have to get ready for. So I think that all of that, it can only serve a good purpose. Like we saw it with the Matildas, like they played so many big nations and they had that experience of playing against your Frances and your Spains and your Englands. And when it came to the World Cup, they were ready for those big Mm. teams. And it probably suited with the style of football that both Arnie and Tony Gustafsson want to play. I think playing against those teams as well serves them well. My only sort of cause of doubt is, as I've kind of always held with the Socceroos is I just want to see what happens when they play a team where they have to be the more proactive team Mm -hmm. and play more on the front foot like we Mm -hmm. saw in World Cup qualifiers which they Mm -hmm. really fell into a pitfall of and how are they going to react when they aren't the team that has their backs against the wall and they have to play off the break and when they're told you have the ball and you've got to come and try break us down that for me I think that's why that New Zealand game is going to be fascinating because they're going to have to be the more proactive team so yeah I think it will all serve them well because in that Asian Cup those group stage games are going to be exactly like that and then eventually when you play Japan's and your Iran's and everything it does change but yeah beyond that like those smaller teams do help in that sense too Nick we want to thank you for your time it's been an absolute pleasure to actually have you join us on the back pick this week and it's been great to cover all the gamut of issues across football in particular the A-Leagues as well and your role there and all the best for the season ahead to everyone at the A-Leagues as well no thank you very much for having me really appreciate it yeah an absolute pleasure to have you on and uh, we look forward to seeing what comes out this season thank you very much Nick uh, digital content producer for the A-Leagues and commentator for MPL, MPL Victoria we didn't get into uh, Victoria and MPL but uh, maybe next time <laughs> always got time for Victoria and MPL mate we'll save that for another time <laughs> done <laughs> Thanks again to Nick DeBarno from the A-Leagues, digital content producer, for joining us on the pod this week. Laz, a great interview. And uh, I think Nick is welcome back whenever he fancies coming back on. Indeed. What a fantastic guest. Indeed, indeed. Look, um, you know, Nick's got, had a fascinating career and, and obviously he was a uh, podcaster as well up until recently with the National Curriculum that um, uh, I believe have made a comeback this week, which is good to see. So, yeah, absolute pleasure to have Nick on and talk uh, all things A-League in particular, but, uh, you know, talk about a few things, uh, random things with regards to football. It felt a bit like an up late uh, there, Nathan, for a little bit. It did, but, it um, did. Yeah, which is really good. <laughs> so, Very much so. And uh, yeah. we're going to do our, our usual stuff now and uh, yeah. talk about some of the things that caught our eye over the past week. We won't be here for too much longer, I don't think. No. But, uh, but if you want to get loose, Nathan, get loose, you know, feel free. <laughs> yeah, like a bit uh, loose, like like the uh, Chelsea yeah. Manchester City uh, Women's Super League game, maybe. Oh, know. yes. I mean, we have to talk about that. <laughs> oh, my God. What was your take what? on all that? That's incredible. Um, 
Maybe I we should enlighten. It's... Sorry, maybe we should enlighten for those that didn't happen to see it. Yeah, we probably should. And I think the story with Alex Greenwood, the second yellow card for time wasting, is in the interesting... first half. In the, yeah, first, in the half. first half, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, she was taking slightly longer than necessary. I think she didn't kick. Well, obviously, she didn't kick the ball immediately when the ref blew her whistle. But come on, seriously, what a way to ruin a football match. Mm. Yeah, and I agree with you. I think Ange said it in a press conference last week that the best referees are ones that you don't notice. Quite the opposite in this scenario with this game. <laughs> uh, that was a referee who was the centre of attention. Not saying that she was out there to be the centre of attention, but through what uh, transpired with the bookings and everything else, uh, it turned out to be that way. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right there, Nathan. I, I can't can't disagree with you. And uh, obviously our, you know, Australia's Mary Fowler falling foul there in a way because she had to be um foul yeah. yeah she had to be uh hauled off unfortunately because of the red card situation mm. so she was sacrificed unfortunately while she was um you know getting um some valuable game time with manchester city because she's um, started the season there pretty well that she has and lauren hemp got a second yellow card as well in the game it wasn't just the red card <laughs> that's, Alex <laughs> <laughs> that's why i'm saying the red cards it's just absolutely yeah. nuts and you, and get, the a game card. you get a card that's right <laughs> And the game ended a draw, mind you. Oh, of course it did. <laughs> and, and that's two two points dropped for Chelsea, yes. Yes. And Sam Kerr made her return. Mm-hmm. So, yes, action-packed. That's great. Yeah. If you haven't had a chance to watch it, get onto it and uh, opt to sport and see. Not that they're a sponsor. Get on top to sport <laughs> and have a look at the highlights. It's it's absolutely awesome. Yeah, and it's been a, a really interesting start, start to the season. you got Liverpool and Leicester unbeaten mm-hmm. well, on maximum points, and neither of them were fancied to really pull up any trees this season. Obviously, we're expecting Chelsea, City, Arsenal, and maybe Manchester United, Aston Villa, a bit of a smoky, but they've had mm-hmm. their problems this season, the villains, and Arsenal get to win a game. It's been a very interesting start to the campaign for the WSL. A bit of a World Cup hangover, perhaps. I think so. I think so. Mm. Uh, good to see the attendances are as amazing as they were at times last season. There was a mm. full house for Arsenal's opening game. There was mm. a big crowd for the Chelsea City game last weekend. And it looks like the WSL is just going from strength to strength. I no, couldn't agree with you more. Um, hopping back to the European continent, I'm kind of hoping that Gareth Southgate decides to rest Jude Bellingham against the Socceroos on Saturday morning. Yeah, he needs to put his feet up. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think from personally from a Real Madrid point of view, absolutely. And from a, a, a soccer supporter as well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, couldn't agree with him more. Give Jude Gareth do something right. Just give Jude Bellingham a bit of a rest. Two it's goals again for Real Madrid. A, yeah, two amazing. Goals, yeah, ten goals in ten games mm. eclipsed Cristiano Ronaldo's start to uh, to Real Madrid, and this is from a central midfielder. Yeah, and it's would it would be a very different Jude Bellingham with Harry Kane in the team. Just thinking about how it's going to work tactically, I don't really see him getting the same sort of goal scoring output when he's in the same lineup as Harry Kane. I think they would get in each other's way a little bit. Um, but that's something for Gareth Southgate to work out. Mm. And uh, I, I don't know if he's um, really got it to work out a system that suits both Jude Bellingham and Harry Kane without compromising one or the other. This is a recurring theme that we've spoken about for so, some time now, about mm. uh, Gareth Southgate. Yes, he's had some good moments as England manager, but he's always fallen short. And it's obvious when he does fall short that it is down to the dugout. It's not through any other means of luck or players on the other teams are just better on the day. It, it is mm. quite easy to see for, it's from the dugout. And I think Australia can cause an upset 
this weekend. It's within their capabilities. I think they can. And I think a draw would even be considered an upset. And I'd be very happy with a draw. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, a draw is well within the, the realm of mm. an upset for this weekend, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, but I expect the Socceroos to defeat New Zealand. So do I. Mm. And uh, look, New Zealand football's got some good players. Sure. There's some great players in that team. Players that would start for the Socceroos. Uh, I think Australia just in a better spot at the moment. And while we're on international football lands, there was a story this week that England and the rest of the home nations are going to host Euro 2028. Including Ireland. Including Ireland. And the follow-up story is that England don't want automatic qualification. Yes, they I want to do that, Nathan. The regular way, having to qualify. I'll tell you what, it'd be so funny if they fail. <laughs> it would be so funny if they fail to qualify. <laughs> it's an England kind of thing, isn't it? Really? It is. It is. They have the potential to do the funniest thing ever. <laughs> I don't see that happening, though. <laughs> Neither do I, but just I the prospect that, of it yes, is good enough. Yes. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it'd be interesting. But look, if if from the FA's point of view, I actually think that's um, the English national team's point of view, I think that's a great move. I think it's really good as far as having competitive games all the way through and preparing that way. I think it's a really good idea. Now, what does that mean for the likes of Northern Ireland, Ireland and Wales and Scotland? Well, you know, maybe they can play a tournament against each other that way and just, you know, make it competitive in, in that sense. I think England missed the trick, though, too, whilst I just sounded that out. It would have been, you know, they could have had that home nations tournament that they've been pining for. Um, you know, uh, whenever England plays Scotland, this concept of the home nations tournament being played is something that raises its head, which used to happen in the 70s and the 80s. So, you know, maybe in the years between the 2026 World Cup and Euro 2028, that could have been an opportunity for them to actually do that home and away. Yeah. That'd be good. That'd be good. Mm-hmm. I think we don't see enough of the home nations playing each other. Yes, England on paper are the best side, but just like Australia with New Zealand, the other nations in the British Isles have fantastic players. That There's a couple that would start for England as well. Mm. And given a competitive game, anything can happen. And I would like to see more matches between those sides. Yeah, sure. Um, I think two of those, one, two, three, four, five, mm-hmm. host nations will qualify automatically. Correct. And the rest, the... Uh, then they'll go to the uh, the two worst qualifiers. I think mm-hmm. I don't. Uh, from what I've read, read, it's not set in stone over who gets those automatic spots. So you and that means that there's a potential for one to miss out. Correct. Which the weakest nations are. It, it, well, it is Ireland and Northern Ireland. Yes. Or, yeah. No. Uh, I don't know about the second weakest, but Northern Ireland is the weakest. Mm. Uh, but uh, you have the opportunity, perhaps, to um, the success of one knocks out another from the tournament. Correct. Yep. No, that's true. That's true. Uh, what's your highlight for the weekend coming up? Well, actually, before we do it, that, sorry, before we on. do that, just quickly, what caught your eye this week? Just, you know, anything else quickly that caught your eye? I mean, um, Nick did touch on Italy being awarded the 2032 Euros in conjunction with Turkey. I don't know why Greece didn't actually attach themselves to that instead of going to Saudi have. Arabia. They should have. Absolutely. It's a yeah. no-brainer. It really is a no-brainer, and they've missed a trick there. Yeah, we should talk about, um, whilst we're on the subject of joint bids, mm. um, the story today that Indonesia is sounding out joining in Australia, Malaysia, Singapore bid for 2034. New Zealand will throw their hat in the ring as well. Yes. But they'll have to. And uh, that's a regional joint bid. And I think provided uh, FIFA are okay with Indonesia bidding for this tournament, then uh, I think that really makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Geographically, anyway. Geographically, it does. It does. Uh, look, the Indonesia thing, I think it's still a bit fresh in the memory. Mm. Unfortunately, for those that don't know, the under-20 tournament for this year was relinquished by, well, taken off Indonesia by FIFA and awarded to Argentina. 
because of recognition issues around uh, Israel, who had qualified for the tournament. Yeah, and uh, I mean, there's not really any worse to say on this because it is something that FIFA had to do and Indonesia completely wrong. They wanted to bar Israel from competing in this tournament. Which is ridiculous because Israel had qualified. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't think FIFA would be so quick to uh, move on from that. So I don't know if Indonesia joining this bid, well, it makes sense geographically, but I don't know if it would actually cause more damage. You know, football diplomacy kind of role. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think Malaysia stacks. Stacks up. I think Singapore stacks up. Australia stacking up, and New Zealand stacking up. I think that's a really, you know, a really good uh, potential bid. But um, it just looks like Saudi going to go on their own for twenty thirty four. By the look of things, and they're probably going to win. Yep. But you never know. You never know. Speaking of Israel, um, just had an update, and you know, it's a very sad situation with what's going on there with the current conflict at the moment. But Michael Volkanis, who joined us on the backpack a few weeks ago, is safe um, and has. Um, been flown out to Athens, actually, with his family. So, because um, Michael spent a, f- a few years living in Athens and has a home there, and um, glad to hear that he's uh, safe and well. Yeah, very much so. And it's just a sad situation, everything that's going on there. And uh, good to hear that Michael's safe as well yeah. as his family. And uh, yeah, I would presume, I haven't heard, but yep. I, w- I would assume that all Israeli football's on hold. Yes, it is. Yeah. yeah, that's why. Yeah. So it was cancelled last weekend and um, mm-hmm. the club uh, got a message from Michael um, and um, yeah, flown out to, uh, to Athens uh, over the weekend and um, yeah, till further notice, he's in Athens and uh, all Israeli football has been uh, put on hold. I'm not sure about the national team though and the qualifiers. I know that they, if they had any home games, they would more than likely be have been moved to the continent, but not sure exactly what um, the status is there at this point in time. But that's a uh, moving feast. But there's some um, interesting Euro qualifiers coming up this weekend and international football as well, aside from the soccer is taking on England. What's taking your fancy this weekend? If I tell you in terms of European qualifiers outside of England, Italy, because we talked about it a bit earlier, I don't know what games are on. Would you be surprised? No, I wouldn't be, but because only because you're filthy on the Dutch for some reason, I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, Did you I mean, like qualifiers that? are better than yeah, qualifiers are better than friendlies. Um, but I mean, it's still much of a muchness, isn't it? Um, it's not really anything I'll get excited by. European qualifiers, World Cup qualifiers in general, to be come honest. On, come on, Spain versus Scotland. Given the context of that group, that'll be a good game. That's. Uh, Tomorrow morning, our time, Friday morning, our time as we record. Looking forward to another Scott McTominay masterclass. I'll see. Okay. Now, <laughs> you had to bring that up, didn't you? Right. Hey, he's in good form for Scotland. Uh, is he, he is. He's in very good form. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. Because uh, you want me to say the words, and I'm not going to. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, I. Congratulations to him. I'm happy for him. Mm-hmm. Right, don't like the club he plays for, but congratulations <laughs> to, to him. You know, I'm very happy for him at uh, you know, and he's managed to carry his Scottish form over to that club that you support, which uh, I won't. Uh, I'll try my best not to name tonight. But there you go. <laughs> there you go. Hey, we're not the story this week. No, you're not, because they had a win. Yeah, we almost were. Chelsea <laughs> had a win. That's right. You almost yes. didn't. Yeah. Um, um, you know, but yes, Scotland what? against Spain. Yeah, it's uh, really an interesting game in prospect. Yeah, um, I know we're uh, hopping around, but what did you make of uh, Man City losing third game in a row? Picked it. Yes, and I think Kovacic should have been sent off. I think he should have been too. 
Mm-hmm. And there's this story going around about referees in the Premier League. Not the one with the VAR booth and Tottenham Liverpool, but this sort of side story that's going on at the same time that uh, some referees are jetting off to uh, the United Arab Emirates midweek mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. Uh, officiate some games. And they're coming back to officiate Manchester City. Mm-hmm. What do you make of that? Is it a conflict of interest? Oh, prima facie, yeah, sure, I'll go along with that. But I don't really. I think it it can be looked into, but really, what does it matter? Would they be Look, allowed to fly refer- halfway around the world midweek? It is not halfway around the world. The United Arab Emirates from London is not halfway around the world. Let's get one <laughs> thing straight here, Nathan. I'm exaggerating for effect. <laughs> All jokes aside, right? All jokes aside. Um why are we limiting or why would we want to limit referees from earning uh, a you know more income for the job that they do and they quite clearly love right for a period of time because they can only be a referee for so long their legs will catch up with them it'll catch up with you know old man time catches up with everyone or old woman time comes catches up with everyone at some point right so these referees if they want to keep refereeing will be you know refereeing the Isthmian over 45s league when they're uh, over 45 or when they're in their 50s right but for right now let them go and earn the you know the top coin that they can it's not just about them refereeing any old game but it's the fact that it's a game in the united arab emirates Mate, i've got no problem with it i can tell you that in greece they for a and, and they still do it olympiakos panathinaikos will be on at the end of the month right they'll get a referee from england to that's referee not the that same game. thing it that's is not the same, the same thing, thing. It no, is the it's same not. thing. How is it not? What, just because, because the United Arab Emirates have more money, right? No, it's because they, they have uh, state ties to Manchester City. That's the difference. Um, like, Yes, okay. The, right. the only Greek owner in the Premier League is Maranaki. He's not got no, but strong it's, state ties. He's not the Greek government, no. Well, No, that's the point. Hang on, let me think about that for a second. <laughs> no, I can neither confirm nor deny he is the Greek government. <laughs> <laughs> right? No, but I, I, okay, I'll take your point. On that basis, sure. Okay. I'd be saying the same thing if they went to referee Saudi Pro League games, come back on the weekend and ref Newcastle. As long as they don't ref or, Manchester City or Newcastle, okay? How about that? Be it French referees going to Qatar to ref a game midweek. Sure. And come same. back and ref PSG. Same thing. Same. It stinks to mine, for me, okay. and I don't, I don't okay. think it passes the pub test. I'll concede that point. I'll concede that point. I, I, I agree with you to the effect that referees that go over to and look the refereeing the pgmol in in the case you know all the english fa would know which referees are going over because you can't just go and get a you know you need a work visa to go and work in these countries you can't just go and you know lob up and go i'm here to referee a game <laughs> right so it's, it's not a holiday so yeah oh uh, look I, I take your point i, I, I think do, if i do take your point pgmol are going to allow this to happen uh-huh. Then I think there needs to be full disclosure in terms of um, how much they're earning during sure. these midweek games. Sure. And if it if there is uh, a uh, massive discrepancy uh, between, I disagree the with you there. Match fees? No, I'm sorry, I disagree with you with regard to the earnings. It's nobody's okay, business. Okay, then don't allow it whatsoever. No, it's nobody's business with regards to what an individual is earning. I'm sorry. Uh, do you want your you know Do you want your earnings published? Okay, think- you're not refereeing in the UAE. Sure, but come on. No, I no. take that. I, I do take that point, but I would also say, if just as an, a pure example for mm-hmm. a hypothetical, if a referee is getting paid ten million dollars to refer a midweek game, <laughs> that's a lot. I know it's a placeholder amount, but what's to say they're not? Oh, 
That's sort of what, what I'm getting at here. Okay. I, I think it's a clear conflict of interest. Would you be happy if they were if referees went over to the UAE and Saudi that they don't mas- that they don't referee matches involving Manchester City and Newcastle United respectively? But that's a fight. But then they but then they can referee can, their title rivals. I, I can't top believe. Four rivals. Oh, come on. So you want these poor bastards not to referee at all? No, but you can see that it's open for abuse. That it is. Possible. I like to I like to believe, right? Maybe naively, somewhat, but in the in nature of of, you know, of the referees being objective and doing a job, it's all it is is a job to them. And right? look, I will say, I'm not suggesting the referees are taking bribes. You sound like all Barcelona. Saying, you sound like Barcelona I, now, right? What <laughs> I am saying is that it is a possibility, and I think okay. PGML needs to have a look at it. Sure. Okay. In terms of the process, whether or not they should be allowed to. No worries, Mister Laporte. There you go. <laughs> And for those that don't know, that's the president of Barcelona. <laughs> and the reason why we're referring to that is because of the recent refereeing scandal that Barcelona were complaining about. If those of you, you know, aren't across it, I advise that you do get across it because it's quite interesting and amusing reading. Mm, especially if you're not a Barca fan. Correct. Correct. But uh, Mr. Well, Laporte, what else do you have to say for yourself? <laughs> I was going to ask you what else caught your eye this week, to be honest. Um, look, the fact that the Saudis will probably um, have, I think the fact that the Saudis have been able to influence FIFA to the point, and maybe I'm saying that incorrectly or I stand to be corrected, but I believe that they have because FIFA have actually uh, changed part of the stadia criteria for in for the 2034 World Cup and what will be an mm. acceptable stadia. Now, I wonder uh, why they've done that. And I find that very interesting, Nathan. <laughs> hmm. It wouldn't be because Saudi Arabia have four stadiums at the moment. Mm. Of World Cup standard. No, it definitely wouldn't be that. Mm. Hmm. 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 So, yes, I, I found that uh, interesting, that caught my eye. Obviously, we mentioned it with Nick before, um, Giroud and his goalkeeping feats. <laughs> yes. Right. Highlight of the week for me. Yep. Absolute highlight of the week. Absolutely brilliant. Um, but, um, and, uh, hey, Jude. Yeah, again. Hey, it's, uh, it, it's just incredible. It's just incredible. It's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. Um. But yeah, that's. I, I'm also looking forward to the Netherlands and France versus France, which is this weekend. Uh, Nathan, no, I'm surprised I'm not, you didn't actually I'm mention not, that. I'm not looking forward to it. That's why. <laughs> France three 0 away to the Netherlands. Oh, probably. <laughs> and Greece knock off Ireland. Well, then that um, the race is on. The race is on in that group. Yeah, yeah. But um, there you have it, Nathan. I think we've hit the back peg this week. If there's unless you've got anything, um, we should say. We mentioned it with Nick, but uh, the Alley Women's mm. Central Coast Newcastle Saturday afternoon at five o'clock playing for the guardrail. Um, the city the time, yes. The F three guardrail, the hallowed holy F three guardrail. Even though the road's not called the F three, yeah, the M one, <laughs> the M one guardrail. <laughs> but the M M one runs I'm... from what Melbourne all the way up well, to uh, North does. Queensland now. Yeah, let's just go with F three though. <laughs> we know that you know those of us that live in New South Wales know where the F three is, and I think that's good yes. enough. <laughs> but I'd like to know which part of the F3 that was cut out of. Mm. Which part has got the guardrail missing? <laughs> you just go halfway up the road and there's just a, a gap in the side. Ah, that's where. <laughs> a, a, a plaque saying this piece was dedicated to uh, to the APL. I love it. I love it. I to love create it. a trophy. It, I think it's great. It's the next in a very long line of things that um yeah, actually take yeah. line for only in the A-League. And I love it. So the, the and, let's start with the toilet seat. Yes. I mean, there's a, there's everything, whether it be it's the sauce bottles. At it, well, the sauce bottles. I mean, hey. I know. 
I mean, it's it's incredible. That, that, yeah. That's one of the. This is one of the main selling points for the A-League, I think. It is a little bit of fun here or there. That's right. It's got a bit it's of not character. Taken that seriously, the league's got a bit of character yeah. in it as well. Yeah, yeah. No, I it's agree. fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And with you it's refreshing from the uh, the uh, the proxy state wars in European football. As long as you uh, ignore Ouch. that uh, it's Abu Dhabi versus Triple Seven Partners in Melbourne. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. <laughs> One so young, so cynical. <laughs> No, it's all fun. No, it's I'll all take, fun. I, I know you mean it, Jess. I'll take your point. Yes, I do. I do. I do. I do. I do. Also, this uh, weekend, the A-League Women's, the Sydney Derby. be fantastic. Yeah. I, I didn't mention it with Nick, but I find the Wanderers very interesting because um, they did recently lose their coach, you know, 10, so basically mm. a week from today. So, yeah, I don't know how disruptive that's going to prove to be to the Wanderers for their campaign and, and their opener, um, but um the um, Sydney Derby type of the league for them is not going to be an easy assignment at all. Definitely not. Definitely not. And I think it can only hurt them at the start of the season anyway. Much True. like I think Monty departing the Mariners, they may be all right in the long run, but there's going to be an adjustment an adjustment period that uh, people didn't see coming. And I think many would uh, be thinking, oh, do we really have to lose Monty this close of the season? Yep, and a similar sort of question be asked to the Western Sydney women's team. Sure. Um, other highlight for me this weekend is uh, back to the WSL is uh, Arsenal against Aston Villa. I think it's a must-win game for both clubs. <laughs> I I thought you said there for a second and it came through as I'm go- I'm going there. I am going for both clubs there. Oh not no, a must game. <laughs> not a must-win game for both clubs. <laughs> no, I no, thought, okay, it, there's, no. there's there's a reason that I'm missing there, but I wasn't too <laughs> sure. Um, uh, no, some uh, yeah, uh, audio glitch, I'm sure. Yes, <laughs> I was like, you called me. I said, Since when did you go for Aston Villa in the women's? Oh, I didn't know about it. <laughs> I know you're contemplating jumping ship to uh, Arsenal for the women's, which is no, no. but that's okay, it's all right, it's okay. <laughs> but um, it is a must win game for both, it is teams. indeed, it is indeed, mm. yeah, it, it, it is. Um, yeah, they've both had a slow start to the season. I don't know about Villa's Bonafides in the women's super league this year. They've been touted as like the hipster's choice for this yep. season. The the smoky. Everyone expects them to do well and ruffle a few feathers. And I think it's because they did that last year. Yeah, and I think they have got a better squad this year. They've had some good signings, some good additions. It's they may still come good. It's only been two games, mm. but uh, yeah, it's a big game this weekend for them. Yeah, no, it is. I find it interesting that Aston Villa are a hipster's choice all of a sudden in the women's. I think yeah, because. Yeah, no, that's fair. In the WSL, it's been Chelsea dominant for so long now. Mm. City, Arsenal, United were good last season, but aside from that, not much. I think breaking into that top three stroke four is very difficult. And Mm. Aston Villa were picked as the team most likely to break into that. Yeah. And uh, so far, not so good. No, you're right there. You're right. How do you think Manchester United are going to go with regards to the Women's Super League. I think they'll end up having a strong season by the look of things. Manchester City are going to be there or thereabouts. Chelsea, and I think Arsenal. I mean, I think those are the four, really. Yeah, I think for Manchester United, it's no going to be tough. Yep. It's going to be tough for them to recreate what they did last year. Mm-hmm. Losing Alessia Russo is a big one. Anapatia sure. departing is a big one as well. Gabby George looks like a good pickup already. And um, that switches Blundell over to the right side. Hmm. Uh, the fact that Mary Earps wanted to leave. Mm-hmm. Does remain in the back of my mind about the women's team for United this season. How much 
Where Animal was she City is there. Well, she was going. To, she was playing on going to Arsenal, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think so. Correct. Yeah, I, I don't know how settled she is at the moment because obviously she had that controversy with regards to Nike not wanting to, to sell her jersey, which they've done now. Which they've done now, and and it already know, sold out, which is great and well done, and kudos to her and kudos to Nike. Now, obviously, she's not all that enamored with Nike at the moment, but just for a small period of time, but. Yeah, I think that's kind of playing on her mind because I saw her performance weekend, and she, you know, it it could it's not up to the standard of the World Cup from what I saw so far. No, and I think another distraction is Manchester United in the Champions League. Mm-hmm. They had a draw with uh, Paris at home in the yep. first leg earlier in the week. Mm. Uh, no sign of uh, Claire Hunt for PSG as of yet. Oh no, that's she actually did make uh, a debut. Oh, did she? Fantastic. Yeah, she did. Yes, I, I, I missed yes. that. No, you did. Yeah. Um, uh, return late to come, mm. um, but I think it is extra games at the start of the season that the side don't need mm. with uh, plenty of changes. Yes, it'd be great for them to get into the Champions League proper. These are still qualifiers, but yep. uh, I think the league form with the extra games is something that uh, will catch up with them. Yep. Mind the WSL will be Chelsea winning it. It has, it has to, be. to be. Again, yeah. it's the exact same thing as City and the men's. Yeah, I agree. They are the obvious choice if you're looking for a tip. Um, I'm expecting City to be there or thereabouts, Arsenal to fix their... Early season, not going to call it a rut, but uh, not so favourable results. Yep. Um, I think it's a little bit of the same players Yeah. in terms of uh, the teams we're expecting to be towards the top. Uh, good to see Leicester pick up two wins to start the season. Yep. And, uh, yeah, hopefully there is a bit of a, uh, a cat amongst the pigeons, uh, a roughie to disrupt those at the top. Too true. Too true. Les, I think we've hit the back peg. I think we have. Um, just to confirm there with you, Nathan, the City Derby is the highlight of the A-League women's around this weekend for you, yeah? I think so. Yeah, I'll be watching that as well. Looking forward to that on Saturday night. And Looking forward to seeing the, uh, the crowd numbers as well. Mm. I don't like getting hung up on crowd figures, I don't good think or we bad, need to. but I think it's going to be interesting nonetheless how much of a honeymoon period from the World Cup is it going to be. Indeed. Nathan, thank you very much for all that you do for our pod. Thank you, Laz. Thank ne- you. And next, thank you to the listener. Next week is a big week for the backpack. Will be our one year anniversary next week. Wow, there we go. I think so, uh, might be an extra long one. <laughs> might be. We might even have a celebratory drink on the uh, on the on the recording. Who knows? <laughs> Stay tuned for that one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe not. We'll see how we go. <laughs> Thanks again, everyone, uh, and please feel free to like, share, subscribe, and um, follow us on Instagram at the Backpeg. And on Nathan's favorite platform, X at the back. Peg. The, wonderful, the wonderful world of X. Thank you again to Nick DeBarna for joining us on the pod this week. You can uh, find him on X or Twitter at Nick DeBarno underscore. And uh, yes, a great yes. guest to have on. And Indeed. he's welcome back anytime. Indeed. Enjoy the football, guys. Take care, all. See you next week.